0: If you have a Bible nearby, we're going to be in Isaiah forty-three. You can go ahead and head that direction. If you don't have a Bible, it's all right. We'll um, put the verses on the screen. But I'll, full disclosure, we're going to be all over the place today. Um, last week, I uh, you know it's Mother's Day, and and I kind of made like an off the, off-the-cuff, unplanned uh, plea for feedback. And said, hey, uh, I kind of wanted to go down this road and I'm not real sure. So that's something you want to hear about. Let me know. And like 10 people said yes, and which is a lot more than I don't normally hear from. So I was like, man, this must be a really, really big thing. So this is really coming from uh, the feedback uh, that I got in terms of uh, like p- the promises of God and how you know as you're studying through the Bible, as you're reading the Bible, what is a promise and what is not a promise? And it gets a little tricky sometimes because uh, the Bible is a big book and it's uh, it's not complicated, but it is complex. And uh, you don't want to just like claim a promise that isn't really a promise. Like you build your life on promises being kept, and so we need to be able to know when we're looking at the at the scriptures what is a promise and what is not a promise. So I need to just like tell you that like straight up, this is going to be more like a, like an equipping class or like a seminary lecture or something like that. than it is like a sermon, which is fine by me. Cause I've always felt more of a teacher than a preacher. And so, uh, if, so, that, but what this means is some of you are going to love this and some of you are going to hate it. And, uh, either way, come back next week. It'll be different. You know? So, um, so let me just say this. You don't need to try to catch up with all these scriptures. We'll put them up on the screens. But in 2 Peter chapter 1, one of my favorite uh, paragraphs in the Bible, here's two verses from this section. It says, uh, this is 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. It says, His divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Basically, in summary, saying everything that you need, for your life to be like to be the life that you want, like the life that God holds out in front of you and says, "This can be yours." Everything that you need for that to happen for you, uh, like you have already been given that. When you know Jesus, you have everything that it takes to make that your reality. Um, well, we could stop there that'd be good. Um, the next verse, he says, uh, "Well, so, so sorry." Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them, through these promises, uh, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. So the the precious and very great promises of God uh, are crucial to us becoming who... God has died so that we could become. Um, it's not saying that we're lacking anything, but engaging in those promises is is crucial. It's what Peter's trying to to help us understand. And so, if that's going to be the case for us, if we're gonna like, if these promises are so great and they play such an important role, then we need to know what they are and what they are not, and we know how to grab onto them. So today, I'm going to talk about how do you know if something's a promise or not. Like, what's the pro- process you should go through? Then next week I'm gonna run through okay, once you know what they are, how do you how do you like download those into your life, you know? So next week will be a little more practical, so they'll kinda of go together. Um, so you're in Isaiah forty three. Let's say I'm gonna use this as an example. This will be kind of like our case study passage. Let's say that you're you're reading through the Bible, which I hope that you that you do, and you're you're uh, in Isaiah because it's so dense and in such a beautiful way, it's so full of goodness, and you come across this, these two verses. But now, this is Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. Um, but now, thus says the Lord He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, this is in quotes, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. Okay, so like, let's say you read those and there's something that resonates with you and you're like, man, I, I want that to be true for me. But it, but it's the Old Testament. I don't know if that applies and it's promised to Israel and in there aren't, and aren't they like a whole other thing and there's all these things that go on whereas, but there's a part of you that's like, yeah, but something really like, clicks with me when I read that. So what, what do you do with something Where you're like, I would like to put that on a note card, you know, and like carry it around with me or put it on my mirror or in my, you know, whatever, in my car somewhere. Like, I would like to memorize that and I would like to claim that as a promise, but I don't know if I can. Um, Let's talk about how you, what what do you do with that? But before I do that, let me say this. Anytime you're reading the Bible and something grabs you, um, like, you just need to like, let it happen. You know, like you don't need to overthink it, uh, all the time, especially not to the degree that I'm about to just now, you know, uh, this, like if something grabs onto you, you don't need to be paranoid about it. Um, it's like God wrote a book and he gave it to you and it's his book and he can use it however you want. And so if it's encouraging to you, if it's corrective to you, if it reminds you of something, if it, it gives you new perspective, if it gives you hope, if it gives you conviction, whatever it is, like you don't need to complicate it. Um, God can use things however he wants in the scriptures. And so in that, in that kind of devotional sense, I'm not trying to make you paranoid about every time you open the Bible. Okay. So just, just know that if God wants to use something to bless you, just let him do it. Let him do it. Um, But what I want to get into is, is not so much. Can a passage bless you or encourage you or whatever? Like, can this go on a list of promises that's in the front of your Bible, you know, that you can like build your life and bank on Um, because promises are like, they're, that's a commitment someone makes, you know, truth is important. Truth is great. Like we, We have to have it, but promises that is God making a commitment to you. And there are times when we're going through life and we need to know, is God, is God committed to me through this? Like How, how has he already said he's going to relate to me through this? Um, and can I like, cash that in as a promise or not? Um, so what do we do with Isaiah 43, 1 and 2? Um, let me give you a couple of questions to ask yourself. And it's, it kind of goes back to some, like some of the things we first learned when we were like in elementary school and stuff, when you're, when you're problem solving and you're, and you're trying to assess a situation, you ask yourself who, what, when, where, how, why you kind of have those, those things that you're trying to like break down the situation. It's the same thing here. the first thing that you, that you need to ask yourself is who, who is interacting in this passage? Like when you're reading anywhere in the Bible, there's like there's something happening. Someone is interacting with someone else. That's kind of the nature of the book. Let me give you a couple of categories. Uh, so, kind of move away from Isaiah 43 for a minute. A couple of categories. If you're asking yourself who who is interacting in this passage, uh, one category it could be it could be like a person to person. I'm not talking about Jesus. Uh, Jesus is a person. I'm talking about like two. Regular non Jesus people, all right, are communicating with each other somehow. It could be a dialogue. It could be, uh, you know, like you you see that in in some of the narratives. People are talking back and forth. Um, mostly, though, we we just kind of need to have this out there that when two people are talking, two non Jesus people are talking. Just because it's in the Bible does not make it a promise. Like when two people are talking, that that's not authoritative. That's not coming from God. That's just to humans that we happen to have something in front of us, uh, it could be true what they're saying. It could be full of wisdom. It could be very beneficial to you and all that. Um, but it, two people talking, you cannot label that as a promise of God. You know, it's beneficial to us and important. It, we can't call that a promise though, because it's from person to person. You usually will find this in in the the wisdom books. And in poetry, so your wisdom books would be Proverbs, Job, Ecclesiastes. So those are those are not books where you you see God really um, declaring something. Um, you do it in Job a little bit, but like, like let's take Proverbs for example, that is a collection that Solomon is credited with putting together of like all these like quippy little sayings. But none of them are God speaking. It's all his own experience and things that, that maybe God has shown him, but it's not authoritative in that way. It's the same way with, with the Psalms. These are, it's a collection of poetry. It communicates theological truths and all this kind of stuff, but it, when it comes to a promise from God, that's, that's David sitting down and writing a poem. In Proverbs, it's Solomon sitting down and writing out Wisdom. Those are not uh, those are not promises from God. Those are, that's goodness, but it's man to man kind of goodness. Here's 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 where this can get tricky. Psalm thirty-seven four. It says, "Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart." Now, the prosperity gospel uh, people uh, love verses like this. So what they'll do is they'll get in front of a crowd. And they'll they'll get everybody all worked up and they're saying, well, you know why why I have a jet? Because I delighted myself in the Lord and he said, what do you want? He said, I want a jet. My heart desires a jet and God gave me a jet. All you have to do is desire it, delight in him and whatever your heart desires, he's gonna give it to you. Now, just put some money in the offering plate to guarantee that that'll happen. Uh, cause my jet needs fuel, you know, uh, but the problem, like there's a lot of problems with, with that. One is that the actual wording of the Psalm is saying, um, when you delight yourself in the Lord, the, the things that your heart desires are given to you by him. They don't find their origin with you and your brokenness. They find their origin with him. And so delighting in him means that, that your heart is going, to, is going to, uh, to be pointed in the right direction because your desires are not from yourself, they're from him. So that one, it shows a fundamental lack of Hebrew understanding. The second thing, though, is that the book of Psalms is not a book of promises. But the prosperity gospel guys will take a verse like this, and they'll say, this is a promise. God has guaranteed this is this is how this is a, a law of of kingdom of God economics. This is how it works. You just tell them what you want. So that's why a discussion like this I feel like is important, is because unless we are trained in how to break the scriptures down, we hear a really convincing speaker lead us down a path of destruction while they get rich and while we buy into a lie. So. That's this is not god making a promise. This is david writing a poem. It is true It is it is full of wisdom. It is a blessing. It is important to us, but it is not you cannot label that as a promise Uh, Here's another one that uh, maybe you're familiar with. This is proverbs 22 Verse 6 train up a child in the way he should go Even when he's old he will not depart from it I think there's a lot of broken-hearted parents in our world because they have been told that this is a promise. There are. And they're saying, but God, we, we did everything. We, 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 we prayed we prayed with him. We, um, we, we took him to church. We talked about the Lord. We said the blessing over meals. We, like we did that and did that and did that and did that. Now he wants nothing to do with you. But you promised that he would come back. And he hasn't, you know. The truth is God did not promise that that the proverbs are not a, a collection of promises they're it's a collection of wisdom what this verse is supposed to do is supposed to tell parents hey if if your outcome if the outcome of your child's way of life is them not departing from the lord then what you like the way you can help that to happen is by training them it's not a guarantee they're going to they're going to turn out like you want to but it's like you do everything that you can and so it's an encouragement Maybe he's, maybe Solomon is saying. Most of the time, this is this is the case. But it's not God making a promise, because the Book of Proverbs is not God making promises. So that's why we have to we have to like really be grounded in understanding when I'm reading something. Who is interacting here? In the in the Proverbs, Solomon is 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 writing all this wisdom down for his children. In the in the, the Psalms, it's a variety of poets that are just writing poetry. Uh, for God's benefit and for other people's benefit, but it's not, it's not thus saith the Lord, you know, it's not God speaking in first person. It's not written in red ink in your Bible, you know? So person to person, that's one we have to be very careful about in terms of labeling something as a promise. That's one category. The second category I would say is, is God speaking to a person, like a specific person. Um, And this is usually like, you see this in the books of the law like the first five books of the Bible, your history books like Chronicles and Kings. um, You see this uh, with like the prophets with Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel and stuff. You see, see God dialoguing with a person. Um, Last week, this was our example in Genesis 18 verse 10. God is speaking to Abraham. He says, uh, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife shall have a son and then in verse 14, um, he says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and she shall have a son. Like that is a promise that God is making to Abraham and to Sarah. So he's speaking to really specific people. Um, the thing is, whenever that happens, like th- this, is, this is not a promise to you, this is a promise to Abraham and to Sarah there are people in who will, will read that. Let's say that there's a couple and they want to have a baby and maybe it's, maybe they're they're kind of struggling with it to to conceive. And maybe someone, maybe they read that and they think, oh man, God has promised me because he led me to this scripture. Why else would he lead me to the scripture? Or some really well-intentioned person says I'm believing I'm believing uh, that you guys are going to have a baby because God gave one to Sarah He promised it I think He's and and that, and that suddenly we end up labeling that as a promise and then you're holding on to this promise that God never made but you think He did and then what if that doesn't happen then God becomes the liar God becomes unfaithful to you uh, it causes even more distress in your life. When really, that was never something labeled as a promise to begin with. It was a promise for them, but not for you and me. So we can be, you can be encouraged by it. You can read that and you can say, man, that's, that's encouraging. Uh, you can even say, God, you did it once. Will you do it again? That, that's, that's great. That's how you use those things. But you can't like, like pound your fist on the table and say, you promised me through those verses that I would have a baby. That's, that's not what's going on here. So God speaking to a person in the Bible, uh, kind of as a general rule of thumb, here's, here's a way to think about it. The, the more specific the situation, the less likely that it's a promise for you and for me, you know, when it's real, I mean that it doesn't get more specific than that. Like your 90 year old wife will have a baby. I'll be back in a year to see you. You know, that's really, really specific. And so whenever you're reading the Bible and you're wanting to like kind of process it, if you, uh, if you find that it's really, really specific, that's probably not a corporate promise for all of us. Um, another, another general principle would be that the more God-centered the promise is, the more likely it is to be a corporate promise. So when the situation is really specific, it's probably not for you and me. But when, when the focus is not really on the situation and the focus is on the character of God and the interaction of God, then that is when we should perk up a little bit. And so, um, even like in Isaiah 43, that's kind of what's going on here. And so, um, let's, let's kind of shift gears to what, what happens when God is, when it is a God specific promise to a bunch of people. So the third category would be when God is speaking to a group, but I want to specifically talk about him addressing Israel because the majority of our bible is god's like story and faithfulness with israel we have so many promises that god is making to the people of israel like he is here in isaiah 43 and we're thinking okay well if i if i've ruled out like human to human talking uh, that's not what's going on here uh it's not god to a specific person um now it's like kind of like a broader thing but i'm not jewish you know like I'm not a part of ancient Israel, so do I have a right to claim that one either? Look at look at what it says in Isaiah 43, verse one. But now says the Lord. Now thus says the Lord: He who created you, O Jacob; He who formed you, O Israel. So the reference to Jacob and Israel, he's he's not talking about individuals named Jacob and Israel. He's talking about the the nation as a whole. And when he's talking about the nation as a whole um is that is it for them is it for the church is it for me is it like how does it work uh, the best answer i've ever heard was basically uh, to just look at how paul addresses it and paul says uh, anything made to israel any promise made to israel is also made to us like we have every like we have been given every right to claim those things to claim the promises of isaiah 43 even though it's addressed to them and it probably applies differently uh, you know obviously it applies differently then than now we have every right to look at that and say yeah that's like this one's for me like give me give me a note card to write it on you know let me let me memorize it let me let me claim it let me label it as a promise um very quickly, here's here's how Paul comes to that conclusion. This is in Galatians chapter three. If you want to read the all of Galatians three, like if my little summary is not is uh, insufficient, which spoiler, it probably will be, uh, feel free to read all of Galatians three because he gets into the, the weeds on this pretty good. Um, so, Galatians three, starting verse seven, it says, "Know then that it is those of faith." who are the sons of Abraham. Those of faith are the sons of Abraham. Um, So what does it take to be a son of Abraham? It takes faith. So you remember your kid, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons have Father Abraham. I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise them. Right on, right? Okay, so... Uh, good theology happened in the old children's ministry. Um, father Abraham had many sons, many sons had father Abraham. I am one of them. So are you. So let's praise the Lord. And we work through the body, you know, and then, uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then I'll show you later. Um, so he says, uh, it's those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Verse eight and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. That's us. So knowing that the entire trajectory of salvation was not just for Jews, but also for Gentiles, it's for every person on the planet, okay? Knowing that was going to happen, they preached preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So he references Genesis 12, where this promise is made to Abraham that you're going to have a family, and through your family, every nation on the earth is going to be blessed. So Paul is saying God knew beforehand that that was going to include all the nations, not not only uh, like the, the nation of Israel is going to include everyone, anyone who is of faith. And so he made that promise to Abraham ahead of time. And then verse nine. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So the promises were made to Abraham, but it was not only made to him. So a few verses later in verse 16 it says, now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. All right. So God is not only saying to Abraham, uh, hey, I'm promising you this incredible uh, heritage that's going to bless the nations. The promise is not just to him. It's also going going through like so he's promised to the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation. But but so we can kind of understand that. Like it's just this big promise that goes throughout time to all the sons of Abraham. But Paul says, "But it's really, it's actually more specific than that." Um, says it does not say and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. Now the whole, the whole like um, like English to Greek thing kind of gets a little weird right there. But basically, what he's saying is that the promise was made to Abraham and his offspring, but it's really he had one person in mind. There was one, one person in all of the, of the many sons of Abraham. There's really one that he was promising and it was Jesus. That the promise that God made to Abraham was to Abraham and to all his descendants, but primarily above everyone else, God made a promise to Jesus. Do you think that God is going to keep a promise that he made to Jesus. Yes. And so from the very beginning, it's been all about Jesus the whole time. That all the promises were made to Christ and will be kept by God. Verse, if you skip down to verse 29, it says this, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So it goes something like this. God makes a promise to Abraham, but he really makes it to Jesus. And when you come to faith in Christ, you are one with him. And so whenever you're unified with him, whenever I'm unified with him, everything comes with it. And so we are co-heirs with him. So if it was promised to Jesus, it was promised to you. Israel, us, we all just get lumped into this one big like ball of faithfulness from God to us. And that doesn't have a like a time restriction to it. And so God has this this incredible like perspective where he says, I'm going to make a promise in Isaiah 43 and I'm going to make it to them. And to all the offspring. But mostly I'm going to make it to Jesus. And when you get Jesus, you get everybody. All throughout all time. So we can look back at this promise made a long time ago. And you can drag that into your life and say, this is mine. I can can bank on this happening. Because God has made a commitment to his people. He's made a commitment to his son. And we're a part of his son. Paul tells the Corinthians... In his second letter, verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 20, all the promises of God find their yes in him. That in, in Christ, every promise is kept or being kept or will be kept, but it's all happening. He's the one big yes that we have. And so because of Jesus, we can say that all this is true for us. So... The promises of Isaiah forty-three verses one and two, originally made to Israel, are also made to you and to me and to Christ, all at one time. Category one, person to person. Category two, God to person. Category three, God to Israel. Category four, Jesus to anyone. Um, if this is all just too much for you, you know, you're like, I, I don't, I don't, I can't do all that just go to one of the gospels and read Jesus talking to anyone and you can bank on that being a a promise. Like you're perfectly safe with the uh, red ink in your Bible. Um, anything he says that reads like a promise can be considered a promise because of who he is. So that's a lot for what the first question, like who is interacting, but I hope that um, it would it'd be helpful if I had like a whiteboard up here. I think it would be help, more helpful. But uh, I hope that you can see that if you can just get that one that one question in your head. Okay, who is interacting here? You're able to say oh, it's in Proverbs. Nope, not a promise. Psalms, not a promise. Um, there may be some exceptions in there, but just say g- general rule. Um, is God talking to a person? Is it really specific? Probably not, probably not for me. Is it to Israel? Okay, that's for me. Is it Jesus talking? Okay, great. So you're, you're able to kind of push it into different categories automatically. Once, you've, once you have figured that out, let's say that, that you're like, okay, now that I know that something is a promise, like in Isaiah 43, we've, we've, we've used the first question, who's interacting? Now we're like, okay, this is for us. The second level of, of stuff is really just about like, um, like adding more information and it deepens and widens our understanding of things. So the second batch of questions is that like, it's when and where and why. I just kind of have them all together on my, on my sheet, when and where and why. And, and here's, here's why those are, those things are important. Like, um, in terms of when and where the, the promises made to like, if if you're talking about Israel on Mount Sinai with the 10 commandments, that's different than promises made to Israel when they are, have been exiled to Babylon, you know, that's different than Jesus making promises while he's walking on, on the earth you know, like those are, those are different. So the context that's that's going on, it's important to know in this, this story arc of the Bible, where does this fall? It just kind of blesses it and enhances it. And, and why, you know, why, why is Isaiah writing this stuff down? You know, why, why are Kings and Chronicles? Why do we have all that information? You know, what's the point that's going on there? Why, why was Jesus in this region talking about this, but over here he talks about this? Like, so all those kinds of things, Those like, you might think that that's like, oh, that's for the Bible nerds. Yeah, it is for the Bible nerds. But you can be a Bible nerd. It's perfectly like within your your grasp. Get you a study Bible. Um, don't don't go to Google. That's not a good resource. But um, there are plenty of resources out there. And and here's here's an example of why I think those kind of things can are, are beneficial. In Isaiah forty three. The when, the where, and the why. Here's uh, those promises that are awesome. Like when you read that text, you're like, "Man, that's really good." Let me. These things make it better. Okay. Um, this this particular part of Isaiah was written at a time when, uh, like the the people of God, no longer believed in the promises that God had made them. Like they had heard about God being faithful to their ancestors. But they're looking around and they're saying, we don't really see it. And the reason they didn't see it is because this part of Isaiah, the intended audience was Israel that had been, had been uh, like pummeled by Babylon and marched uh, like away from their homeland into Babylonian territory. And so they're looking at their lives. They're like, man, we just, we just got not only bombarded, but then marched away. Where's, where's this, where's this faithful God of Mount Sinai now? You know, like we're, we've heard about him, but we ain't seeing it. And so this is a, these are, God is speaking to people who are discouraged and frustrated. And they're looking around their lives and they're saying, we just, we just not buying into all this. So Isaiah is wanting to encourage them and to paint a picture of a God who's still faithful, regardless of the circumstances. And, and, and he's wanting to forecast God's eventual rescue of his people He's writing to them. And he's saying, "I know, I know, it's bad right now. It, it's not going to stay this way, though. He's He's at work. Don't get Don't get Don't get disillusioned by what you see around you. Remember who He is. So this is for people who look around their lives, and they look around their feelings, they look around their circumstances, and they're asking, "Where is this good and beautiful God? I've heard so much about, because I don't see Him right now." See that the when and the where and the why that it it doesn't change the promise it it deepens it it makes it all the more like pertinent um, and what a lot of times will happen is these promises will show up in a time where you're um, you didn't know that you needed it here's here's a very quick story last Sunday I referenced uh, Isaiah forty one verse ten. It says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Again, promises made to Israel. These are ours. I covered that last week. Never, never preached on that verse in my entire uh, career, let's say. Like, I've never, never preached on it, never referenced it, never read it publicly or anything. I, kn- I know that for a fact. And, uh, my brother and sister-in-law had a a baby on Tuesday and it was, it's still a very like touch and go situation. And we're not real sure, uh, how long we're going to have her with us. And, but a part of that was like getting through like the birth, you know? And so, uh, the, in the waiting room and every, uh, it's, you know, a little, a little tense. And we got word that like, okay, the doctor's coming in, it's go time. We're going to know, you know, this is, this is the moment. And um, earlier, like a, like an hour or two earlier, I'd walk down the hall and right outside the door going into the delivery, like NICU area, is that verse on a on the wall, you know? I was like, okay. That one showed up at just the right time. And I'm not saying if I hadn't have talked about it the day before that it wouldn't have blessed me, but I was like, okay, God, you got my attention. Like the these things will show up in your life when you need them. And so what I was able to do because it was so fresh is I was able to just go stand in front of that thing and just pray that for them and for myself and for Annie Kate and for the doctors and for everyone of like, this is a promise. This is a time to claim it. I'm doing it, you know? And so understanding the why and the when and the where and all these kinds of things, it makes, it makes the kind of thing where you're like, why? Of course, this is why God gave it to us. Of course, we have a God who makes a commitment to us. He says, this is who I will be to you. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter if you believe it. I'm still going to be this for you. So here's the last, the last section is what. What is this promise saying? Now that we know who's, who is interacting, we've narrowed that down to say, okay, this is, this is God to Israel. That means we can grab onto it. We've deepened and, and widened the like the, the blessing of the text because we know that it's written for people who are discouraged, written for people who are in a bad who are in a bad way. It's, it's a reminder of something important. Let's look at what it actually says. What are the promises? It says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers. They shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. So promises made to a discouraged Israel in exile, given up on the promises of God. The promises made to you and I today, whatever is going on in life, uh, all of these that we claim, what is God's commitment to us? Here it is in first person from him. If I was to restate it, he his promise: you are redeemed. You may not feel redeemed. You may not be acting redeemed. You may not, but you are redeemed. You are known. He knows your name. He knows what's going on. Uh, He knows how you're feeling about it. He knows the circumstances. You are known. uh, You are mine. He's not made a promise to some, like, random person. He, you're his. Like, he's made a promise to his beloved. I am with you. You might not feel it or sense it or believe and believe it, but I am. I'm there. I'm with you. And nothing this world offers you uh, can harm you. Like, you're going to go through some stuff. It's, it can't really harm you because you're mine. Because you're mine and you're redeemed and you're known and I'm with you. So bring the waters, bring the fire, bring, bring the circumstances. It's fine. You just need to know that you're going to be okay. Um, It may seem like that's a lot of work to get down to like, is this a promise I can claim or not? But think about the difference it makes to walk through the garbage of life knowing that God has made a commitment to you and not dismissing it because, oh, it's in the Old Testament or, oh, it was made to this person. And I'm not really sure about this and, and all those kinds of things to have the confidence to grab onto that and say, I, I can build my life on this. That's why we do the scriptural work. You know, like that's why it's worth it to put something in. That's why when something grabs onto you, it's worth doing some homework to figure out can I label this as a promise, or is this just a, is this another form of goodness that's supposed to bless me? They're all important, but promises are they're they're unique, you know. So, I don't know if that's helpful to you at all. Um, next week, I'm going to bring uh, some stuff to the table in terms of like I'm going to run through a bunch of vetted promises in different areas of life and how you bring those into your life. But today. Maybe we just, maybe you just needed to hear the really specific architecture of the Bible in relation to God's desire for you to be able to count on some things. Like he wants, he wants us to, to know the vows that he's made. You know, when a couple gets married and they say their vows, like that's for everyone to hear and everyone to know. And you're counting on the fact that you just made this public commitment. God's made a public commitment to us. It's written in right in front of us, you know. So I hope that this is, even though it's been maybe a little a little bit much, I hope that it's blessed you, even if it just comes down to the fact that Isaiah 43, one and two are yours, you know. So um, let me pray for us, and then we're gonna kind of do a little bit of responding before we go this morning. Let me pray. God, I'm thankful that... Um, when it's all said and done, we can, we can know the things that you have committed to in regard to us. We know the wedding vows you made. We've known the, we know the commitment. And, uh, yes, it's in, some of these are embedded in this bigger story, but what a blessing to know, um, to know that story. And so I pray this morning that maybe we can, maybe we can leave some of the academia aside and some of the you know the mechanics of it aside, and just maybe, for these few moments, just kind of bed down in this reality that um, that you know us, and that you've redeemed us, and that we're yours, and that you're with us, and that nothing nothing that's coming our way right now can really harm us. It can hurt, and it can discourage, and it can exhaust us, but it, it can't harm us because. Um, nothing can get to what you are protecting and guarding. We love you very much, Father. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So in our response time, you know, there's different things going on in, in life. And we want to give you a chance to just kind of meet with the Lord a few more minutes. Just kind of you and him, but also us and him. Uh, before we dismiss and kind of go on to whatever's next. And so you can come and pray. You can come to these steps and pray. We have some folks on the front row who would love to pray with you. Um, We have a communion line that's open to you. Uh, You don't have to be a member here. If you want what Jesus is offering to you, then you come, you take the bread, you dip it in the juice, and you take it. And uh, as a a tangible reminder, that's that's a part of the promise. Uh, All our promises find the yes in Jesus. And as we take communion, it's a, a reminder of that yes that's been made. Um, you can sing, you can pray together, you can do whatever you want to do. We're just going to spend a few minutes letting God uh, kind of pack some dirt in on top of whatever seeds he's planted in here this morning. So why don't you stand and we'll sing just a minute. Our, our communion tables uh, will be open and you can come whenever you're ready.